Hello, fellow inertial observers. Tonight is a surprise performance um, <laughs> due to some ineptitude on my end. Um, but we have a very, very special guest here. Um, he is a, uh, a physics PhD student uh, right now. Um, and I'll let him explain what he's doing in a second because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. Um, and he is also made an animation, a mathematical animation or physics animation that you've probably seen. Um, he has, like like I said, he was one of the big inspirations that got me into it. Um, kind of, you know, between the interpolation and keyframing, and it's just. I can't wait to dig into it with him. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Lucas V. Barbosa. No, don't use Barbosa. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I go by Vieira. Oh, sorry. Uh, Lucas yeah, okay, Vieira. It's right. <laughs> so awesome, man. So glad to have you on here. Um, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, tell me, um, I guess I have a lot... A lot of questions, and I'm sure the people in the chat too. So go ahead, um, and you know, if you're in the chat and you have a question for Lucas, just go ahead, put it in, and uh, we'll get to it. But I'm gonna get the ball rolling um, and ask you, uh, what are you currently doing uh, aside from, uh, you know, your hobby of making math animations? Like, what do you do during the day? Uh, well, the research that I'm doing in PhD, uh, right now I'm in Vienna, on Koki, Institute for Quantum Optics and Quantum Information. Mm. And the research, I, I just started in February, so I, I'm not that deep, deep into it right now. But mm -hmm. what I'm doing is the research in the emergence of time in quantum mechanics and other theories beyond quantum mechanics. Uh, so, really? Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Like theories beyond, like, like, like in some sense, model-independent ways of like representing emergence of time? Yeah, exactly. So the idea of quantum theory and beyond is that you can see quantum mechanics as a generalized theory of probability. Mm. I'm not sure if you've mm. heard about that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. cla classical mechanics, you have a, a specific type of probability distribution, let's say, and in quantum mechanics, you have different sets of correlations that are allowed because of superposition, entanglement, and that kind of stuff. Mm. And you can also uh, create theories that are they call GPTs, generalized probability theories, that allow for probability distributions that go beyond wow. the kind of correlations that quantum mechanics allows. So mm. eventually we're going to study the, the time correlations that emerge from those theories as well. But right now we're focusing on classical mechanics and quantum mechanics to see if we can classify how much uh, time correlation and time uh, you can create from typical physical systems like that. Okay, and so um, what exactly do you mean by time correlations? Like... Like, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, if you have a what's the basic, the most simple system you can imagine to measure mm -hmm. time would be like a clock, and you can model a clock like something you can measure sequentially. Mm. Like uh, imagine you're looking at a, a you know, just an atomic clock. Every time you count so many oscillations, transitions of the atom, uh, you you some fixed number, wow. you say, oh, the clock ticked one mm. second, right? You can do that kind of stuff. But in a sense, every tick is one transition, which you're counting as periodic. So that kind I of periodic see. process uh, allows you to measure time because it's a reliable physical system that, 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 that as you produce measurements and you get results, uh, you get a, a, a sequence that you can use to quantify uh, time. So time correlation is about how those sequences of measurements correlate, 
how much you can, if you just look at, let's say, a sequence of zeros and ones, zero mm -hmm. would be the, the clock didn't tick, and one, the clock ticked. Mm -hmm. So a perfect clock would tick exactly after zero, 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 one, zero, 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 right. zero periodically, right? Uh, so what kind of system, physical system, would produce such a sequence of measurements? Mm. So that's what we mean by time mm. correlation. Mm. In a sense, we're only looking at measurements of a system, and we're going to see if, you know, the sequences we get have some statistical property mm. that ties together with the notion of time correlation. So I have something that could be possibly a silly question. Um, could yeah, a sure. could <laughs> a single elect or let's just forget electron, but a spin one half particle fulfill this property you're saying is that saying you know you you make a measurement it's either up or down and say if it's up you know the spin is up then yeah it it ticks and then it goes into another superposition um of being an up and down and then you do it again so would that yeah. would would that qualify like a single particle in some sense could could uh define an error of time in this sense yeah, uh, that's exactly the lowest kind of system you can treat in this formalism. Because basically what we do is we assume a, the system as a black box, so it can be anything. Right. But you bound its dimension. So in the case of a qubit, like an electron has been up and down, the dimension is two, right? Right. It has two distinguishable states inside of it. So we model that system as a little black box we ha which has an internal state, which uh, we don't know what it is. Yeah. So the smallest state is two, in the, like the electron you're saying. And it's as if you had this black box with the system and you have a button that flashes a light or not with the measurement. So that's what, exactly what kind of we're doing right now. We're analyzing a, a two-state system mm -hmm. to see what kind of correlation that system can create as you start measuring it several times. Wow. So that's basically the idea. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, we could go on about that all night, but I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut yeah, myself yeah. off by, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm being good. Um Right on. So we've got a lot of people uh, saying hello. Um, yeah, and, hello, everyone. And so we've got a first question uh, for you uh, from Joshua Heap. He says, um, what did you do before your current research project? Also, is your current research connected to time crystals? Uh, I don't know what a time crystal is, by the way. It sounds like something you could buy, like in a hippy dippy like shop, <laughs> like in Colorado. Like, <laughs> yeah, you hang over your door and it wow. yeah. you from, from the future events. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So before my, I just started a PhD, right, with this uh, time foundation thing. Uh, before that, in my master's in Brazil, I was doing research on uh, uh, tensor networks mm. and mostly entanglement theory and multi-partite entanglement theory. Uh, just so, so you know, guys know, uh, you probably heard of entanglement, right? Mm -hmm. And the examples of entanglement you've heard are probably two-partite entanglement, like two particles go each and other way, and they're correlated in some fashion. And Alice and Bob did measurements on them, right? Mm -hmm. That's bipartite entanglement. But you can have the same phenomenon in an intrinsic way between three, four, five particles. So what we were doing is trying to study the, the multipartite entanglement from systems of large particles. Mm. So like, uh, sorry, for a large systems of particles, like 100 particles, 50 particles. Wow. Which you can only do on tensor networks because the space, the amount of memory right. you need to simulate the systems that is, explodes exponentially. Right. I mean, so that's, that's one what, of the fundamental like axioms of quantum mechanics is that when you yeah. have system A and system B, the Hilbert space of of the composite yeah. system is the tensor product between the two and the dimension of the tensor product is what? Uh, I mean, it's, it's product. Yeah. Yeah. It's exponential. Yeah. So 
in my master's dissertation, the presentation, I actually computed this. So if you have a the full description of your system in, in Hubert space using a density matrix, which is the most general way to describe these things, right? Mm -hmm. If you had 35 particles, you would already need more storage space in your classical computer to store that system mm. than all digital information in the world in 2018. <laughs> 35 so, particles. Sounds at least difficult. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit uh, difficult. But with tensor networks, you can... Uh, because the problem is that space, that full description, has a bunch of stuff that it's not physically accessible. There's a paper, great paper by David Poulin, uh, mm -hmm. and some other researchers that they show that the if you assume the typical time evolution of nature based on local property because the, all interactions are local right mm -hmm. if you assume that and there's that it takes a finite time to for systems to evolve mm. what happens is the vast majority of the space this hubert space you, you described which is the space uh, that the math allows for systems right the vast majority of the space is never going to be existing in nature i see i see so you they can kind of do away with those uh, yeah, states. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So with tensor networks, you can focus exactly on the corner of the Hubert space wow. that occurs in nature. Wow. So we can optimize the description. That's why we were using it that to describe large systems. Oh. Yeah, that was what I was doing. And as about time crystals, uh, right now, I don't know much about time crystals, but the little I know, wow. it doesn't seem like my research is going to be directly relevant to time crystals. But... We will see. As I start getting more into it, maybe what, I'm going to What is a time crystal? I mean, is it, it can we can we explain it like in under a minute what a time crystal is? Uh, I don't think I have. I'm super Fair qualified enough. to explain. But yeah. I, the only thing I know is that it's the same idea of, of space crystals. You have a periodic structure, mm -hmm. right? And at times crystal, crystal, you have a periodic structure in time instead of space, like in a typical crystal. Mm. So it's something that has that property that, it's periodic in time for some reason that I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's uh, you heard it here first. Anyways, um, that's crazy. <laughs> um, we have another question uh, that I have never heard before. Uh, is it true that mass is a rank two tensor? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I, I'm not aware of this. Yeah, no, I've never heard that. Um, I mean, I, I know that you can do... Well, you're... I think you would be more qualified to talk about this stuff, aren't you? Um, I mean, the only relation I can make between this is that uh, when you write down a Lagrangian, you know, uh, in quantum field theories, you can collect all the fields together and write a mass matrix. But that's for different particles. That's not for a single, you know, field. Like for a single field, the mass is a fundamental is essentially just how strongly it couples to the Higgs and. I mean, that is one number. So I, I, I don't see it yeah. being a rank two tensor. Um, I mean, moment of inertia, you can describe it yeah, as a tensor. absolutely. Because it has yeah. different, let's say, inertia in different directions. Yeah, exactly. Right? But I've, I've heard of, you know, you putting the, the scalar mass, the, the typical mass inside that tensor, but that would be a rank four tensor. Fair enough. So I'm not sure. No, you have a good sorry, point. No, no, no. No, it's a rank two tensor. Yeah, rank two, you yeah. Get just another... Uh, sorry? Yeah, no, I'm just agreeing with you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw, but I'm not sure. I, I'm not aware of that. Um, But I think that it's is an interesting point. Maybe that's what they meant, is that in the sense of math, you know, mathematics, or I'm sorry, uh, mass uh, uh, to resist acceleration is a rank two tensor. Yeah. Which is interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense as long because tensors are going to arise like in moment of nature whenever course, you have some yeah. anisotropic feature of your mass. Exactly. Yeah. So if in your if your model of the system the mass has some anisotropic property, you need more components mm. for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would be it, but I'm not sure. But moment of inertia is a rank two tensor. Yeah. If awesome. that's what you're talking about. Wow. Okay, so we got another question here by Matt Henderson, uh, and this is for you, Lucas. He says, uh, does Lucas prefer making GIFs uh, for specific Wikipedia topics or general just cool GIFs sharing on Twitter slash Tumblr? Uh, usually when I do a Wikipedia GIF, I'm not going to say GIF. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair enough. Okay. Dude, so. <laughs> You're going to disagree wow. with that. I don't. Uh, I mean, okay. I think I say both, but like, in it depends. Like on what I have for lunch, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. So the ideas usually come when I'm studying something because uh, either studying for myself or or just browsing around, you know, interesting concepts. And I mm -hmm. see that a Wikipedia page is lacking a, a cool illustration for uh. something that I I thought was cool. So that's when I do it. The Tumblr stuff is usually some pet project that I'm working on or just a crazy idea that I had and I decided to do it and share because Very then nice. it, they don't fit on an article on Wikipedia. But basically the ideas mm. come from just exploration and, you know, figuring things out. But that's not how I started. Yeah. Uh, making well, uh, tell us the story about that. Cool story. Yeah, so oh, what's yeah, the story okay. about that? So, you know how... This is something that I think it's universal, and you, I think everybody's going to agree. Uh -huh. When you study math and physics, usually there's a two-step process when you finally get it. Right? <laughs> it's always excitement followed by anger. It's like <laughs> you're, you already got, got it, right? Wow. <laughs> so you you start struggling with it, and you, you're like freaking out. You do a lot of problems, and, and the idea doesn't enter your head. And then finally you get that aha moment, Eureka. Yeah. Like, ah, and you get excited. <laughs> And then Im immediately you get angry. Why nobody told me like this before? You know? Why didn't nobody explain like this? Yes. And, and, and I just collected those moments in my mind over the years. That's great. And that's why I wanted to do the, I love the animations. That. I love that. I so wanted to, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I wanted to, to skip that, that anger part <laughs> and just explain the way I wanted people to explain. Like radians, like sine and cosine. Why didn't you just... Explain is the x coordinate or whatever. Right, right. right? Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. That, that's yeah. So that's was the motivation. So yeah. Uh, I remember I, my first time like having that feeling actually was in like my <laughs> intro physics course I took uh, as an undergraduate, and it was physics. And like I mean I have no pride in saying when I like when I first learned kinematics, it wasn't trivial for me. I was like, there was so much going on, so many different things to get introduced yeah. to the problem. And then one day, like, like, like during that semester, I was, it, it just all clicked and I could do any kinematics problem you gave me. And I was just like, these are so fucking trivial. Like, why <laughs> like, did I ever struggle? Exactly. In retrospect, everything seems trivial. That's my lesson in life. Everything looks trivial after you get it. <laughs> exactly. So you just you just have to make it trivial earlier for right. other people. That's what I try to do with my animations. I love that. I love that. I mean, you've got you know some of the awesomest animations out. I mean, you've got definitely the most. I would say out of like one person, the most widely shared uh, animations. I can't think of another person. Um, uh, I actually found out through your Wikipedia page about Paul Nylander. Um, 
And yeah. for those of you who awesome. don't know, I, what is he? Bugman123.com? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and his animations, I've been through there when like I've had a bad day. And like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do that too. So, so you guys know, uh, on my Wikipedia page, I, I credit, uh, Paul Nylander. Yeah. His website is bugman123.com as one of the guys who actually inspired me to start doing cool math stuff online. Uh, he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't have like a, fancy animations like mine do, but they, he has some other super fancy animations and, yeah. and illustrations. He has, for example, one that, that I really got into Pavray to do the 3D stuff was he has this uh, illustration of a coil with the magnetic field. Mm, and he, I love that he one. does a, a cutting plane. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and he visualizes the magnetic field as this beautiful like corona purple effect yeah. around the the coil and it's like magnificent so he inspired me to to really try to do as high a quality as possible visualization yeah very uh, nice very so nice. he's great uh i actually made him once and he was like super casual but oh it's cool thanks for <laughs> you're the bug man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he's awesome no that's so great um yeah i mean he's got i mean one of my favorite uh things about his creativity was that like like you just go down his page and you see like just ever think of like oh what would a pool table look like if all the you know balls were magnetized <laughs> yeah like and then you end up with these surprising results um and i think before i made my and i could be wrong on this before i made my magnetic pendulum simulation with the fractal yeah. kind of thing on the bottom i th i think he was the only one um yeah. to do that and so uh but uh it was just so awesome um but yeah uh, check do, him out. He's great. Do links work on the chat? Hmm? Uh, I'm not sure if YouTube is going to block them, but oh, I Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we said it. Uh, so we can just follow up with it um, before. Yeah. Um, so um, so David Barardo is saying congratulations on the redirect sign. Yeah, my proudest achievement. <laughs> <laughs> so what, just like tell us the little story behind that. Okay, so I joined Wikipedia in 2004. It was like three uh -huh. years old back then. So I was one of the first to join that project. Yeah. And before uh, the, that redirect, before when you had uh, the, a redirect of a page and you opened the redirect, there was like this super ugly cyan curved arrow thing <laughs> saying redirect to the page. <laughs> and people were you know, annoyed by that and they decided to have a contest on MediaWiki which is, oh, sorry, Wikimedia, which is the organization that handles the Wikipedia and uh -huh. other projects, the sister projects, like Wikimedia Commons, Wiki, uh, WikiQuote, etc. So Wikimedia wanted to replace that redirect error with something, and they had held a contest. And everybody suggested some, some dramatic error, some huge ones. <laughs> and I said, no, let's just go simple. We don't even need a error, but if you need one, here's one. Like, and I just did it in like one minute. Really? Uh, in paint. Yeah, oh, you didn't paint? Yeah, just... because I was going to wonder, like, if you used, like, some, like, piecewise function to define that or what. But no, no you just no. did it. That was, like, pixel art on paint. <laughs> because I, I I was doing pixel art back then as well. I uh, love that. <laughs> so I just did, like, quickly, this is an error we need. We don't need anything else. And people started voting, yeah, yeah, this is better, etc. And now that arrow is, like, everywhere. Because hundreds and thousands of websites use Wikimedia or get the redirect error from it. And you can always see that particular error. I actually once solved that error uh, 
on in physical life because I can you can tell from the proportions it's my era. Right? So I was seeing. Well, I, you have the, a, Do you still have the original file? Yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, and so well, like you could just the file, so. and so you could just get those proportions exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but you can uh, look at it and Fair when enough. you do something, you you can yeah. see your kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can recognize your, wow. your children. Uh, but yeah. Uh, when I was in San Sebastian last year for an event on Tensor Networks, there was this uh, paper on uh, saying that the, the event is going this way, and they use an arrow that looks exactly like the redirect arrow. I'm like, oh my god, I I think I did this. So I, I don't know. It's it's funny. Man, that is so just everybody. You know, just it, it is so much bigger than any one person now. Even though like you, yeah, you know. But that's the thing is that like. Somebody has to go in there and just make the arrow using pixel pixel art to get it, you know, the right the yeah. aesthetic right. Man, yeah, exactly. that is so awesome. I love that. That's a great story. Yeah, it's so weird how this kind of stuff spreads. Wikipedia <laughs> is a great vehicle for that, you know, because everybody is gonna see it. It's great. I think it's the best. This is one of the reasons why I really liked Wikipedia as a project because your mm -hmm. contribution can have such a wild widespread right, right, effect, yeah, you know. And so, yeah, that's the story of the Wikipedia era. Yeah, I mean, that's Wikipedia amazing. Era. I mean, the influence you've had, like, literally, people, like, like, over, I don't know, I don't even remember order magnitude estimate, but so many people have, anybody who's went to university probably has seen one of your animations. I've run estimates once. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What was your estimate? Uh, because I, I looked at the pages on Wikipedia, they, they have a stats, public stats of the visualizations. Billion. So once I decided to see, let's see what's the lower ball, low ball estimate yeah. of the number of people, and there at least a hundred million people. Oh Billion. my god! So, <laughs> so that's kind of wild, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. That uh, is insane. I, 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 it's funny because sometimes people uh, message me to think a particular animation, right? And some of the messages, man, it really makes a difference in people's lives. Wow, yeah. Like some people telling me, oh, if, if it wasn't for your animation, I wouldn't be doing math as an undergraduate what? today, you know? That's amazing. There was this, there was this guy on, uh, on Texas, I think. He was an electrical engineering a tenured professor. He was uh -huh. probably 50 or 40. Uh, and he just messaged me, oh, thank you for the rating GIF. I've been using this my entire life. And before I saw your GIF, I didn't know what it was doing. <laughs> I didn't understand it. Think about that, you know. That's it's, amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I still don't believe that, that this kind of stuff happens, you know. Yeah, no, but, but it's, that's so it's great. great to be part of it. That's amazing, man. Congratulations. That's a great uh, feeling. Thanks. Wow. Okay, so we have another question moving on by Nathan D saying, what's your biggest obstacle with animation? Um, so I feel like there's two ways we can kind of take that. Say, like what has yeah. been your biggest obstacle or what um, is, I don't know, like just the, the biggest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I get it. The biggest uh, difficult when trying to do something. Right, right. Okay, so the first question would be like, what's my nemesis? <laughs> I, I would it, yeah. say it's general relativity mm. and Fourier transforms in general because Fourier transforms, I've been trying to illustrate properly for years. I have a way to, to explain it. I think that's going to work. Uh, that's intuitive, but I need explanations as well. Like mm. I have to speak over it. Oh, it's going to really? be just a self-contained GIF because that's, that's the difference. Right, when you have right. a self-contained image, animation, 
there are some limitations of what you can do oh, with self self explanatory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, all right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so sometimes that that format on Wikipedia limits your your the kind of stuff you want to explain. Right, right. And which is why I try to do the blog, and mm. I'm gonna try to do a YouTube channel as well eventually. You're right hopefully. on. Uh, but Fourier transforms has have been something that uh, I tried to do in a self-contained way, and I couldn't. So I just did that those animations you guys seen. Uh, in general relativity, uh, well, it turns out that. Any intuition we have on space requires some sort of grid line, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some yeah. kind of stuff. And when you work out the math, grid lines don't make sense in general relativity, mm. right? You can you can't use key yeah. vectors, you can't you can't use uh, geodesics. Nothing works. Mm. So that animation I did is more conceptual, but it kind of makes sense right. in the in idea of things, but. Those two, two concepts have been difficult. And so what's the, uh, because you ran the numbers on this, I guess my, uh, what's like, what's wrong with just saying, okay, because whenever I see grid lines trying to be used as visualization tools in general relativity, I say, okay, well, what's the problem with just saying these grid lines are essentially the grid lines of Minkowski space, right? Uh, of a co-moving frame before any mass popped in. And then the mass pops in, and they warp in this way. Mm. But how do you how do you map one from the other to the other? Um, yeah, no. I, I, I oh, oh, do you mean how do you like interpolate? Too. Oh, yeah, I have no idea yeah, how to I, interpolate that. No, no idea. Because I can write I can write like the Schwarzschild solution and the flat space I solution, see, I but see. I. I don't know what to do to map I one to the saying. other. Yeah, I, I see That's... your point is that it's a non-invertible kind of process. Is that like this will be the final state, but there's no real meaning. Like if I just, you know, curve these lines. And, yeah, uh... I'm not sure. Um, I mean, is there a way? That's actually a good approach to this. I wonder if I rewrite the Schwarzschild solution, the Schwarzschild solutions for the spherical mass you know, yeah. rotating like black hole. Uh, if I rewrite the Schwarzschild solution in Cartesian coordinates, like right, you know, yeah, that's what I was saying. Would that work? Like... <laughs> and then I, I have to attune the mass parameter to zero. I'm not sure. That's what I was I thinking. Like, <laughs> there's got to be something work, that works. But I, I'm not sure if it's gonna work. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna look into this. I am gonna look into this. It might work. It could. But I, but for when when I try to do this, I remember. I don't remember the details because my memory is horrible. But when I had the Schwarzschild metric and I tried to do grid lines on it, it just didn't work hmm. because the lines curved too much inwards. Mm. So you ended up with stuff that doesn't doesn't act like a, a, a grid, you know. I see. Yeah. So you mean like visual, like visually wise, like it didn't work. But I yeah, mean, because think yeah. about it. What's a grid line in Minkowski right. space? It's is it going to be a geodesic as well, right? It's just a straight line. Right. Yeah. Right. So when you put a mass, the geodesics curve in a way that can even circle like a black hole and shoot outside so that's mm -hmm. your grid line if right. you assume mm -hmm. it's the same thing mm -hmm. if you have a, a light ray coming from infinity it's going to curve around the black hole sometimes mm -hmm. and go in mm -hmm. different directions mm -hmm. so i'm not sure if grid lines still make sense when you do that yeah no i mean to be honest like i've got to run the numbers on that like like you ran them before but i need to just like buckle down and like spend a day just doing it and like seeing like if there's something you know like a snapshot i can take of it um yeah but uh, yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. So let's try that. 
Yeah. Maybe we can collaborate on it. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, we can That's go it. back and forth between your um your new library you're writing and um Ah uh, no. <laughs> we can do it in Mathematica. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, we I can mean, do it your way. <laughs> I feel like I feel like doing it in Mathematica is just a good way to get a prototype saying, Oh, this can be done. Yeah. You know? I agree. Um But in general, it doesn't give you a lot of freedom, artistic freedom. That's why I didn't like it. No, you're absolutely right. But I mean, at least it's it's good to you know sketch something that is reasonable quality. Um, yeah, exactly. And then you can put bells on whistles on you know in it what you <laughs> when you want to. But okay. Um. So Xander Gauss saying also love your topology mug Taurus one. Is there a story behind that? About the the mug? Yeah. Or did you just say like I I've heard this and I wanted to you know. Uh, I, I love reading about math and stuff in general. I'm uh-huh. one of those people that like to know a little bit of about everything, right? So I, I knew about the topology thing, the, the, the joke about uh, the topologist wakes up and takes a bite of his coffee mug. <laughs> I've never actually heard that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. Wow. But that's the joke. So, <laughs> uh, so the idea was that I, I knew about this stuff and it was a cool concept that I wanted to express. Right, right. And I was reading the Wikipedia article about it and said, yeah, it would be cool to have an animation showing you know, how the two are like, because mm-hmm. the concept of homotopy and topological equivalence right. is, is weird for people because you, you're, we, our minds are tuned to talk about shapes and not connectivity of the surfaces mm-hmm. of the shapes, yeah, yeah. which is what topology cares about. Right. So I wanted to do the animation. So I, it's one, it was one of the first Pathway hardcore stuff that I wanted to do on mm-hmm. Wikipedia. But that's a start, basically. I just wanted to see what I could do. The fun thing about that is that I, could, I, I had to develop a way to dis- mathematically describe a coffee cup using yeah how did you, yeah using isosurfaces and it's pretty fun well so is it like a big i mean is there did you have anything elegant at the end of the day i mean like um, yeah i think so really yeah, it could probably be better now but that sure, i have but... more knowledge about uh constructive solid geometry this is the idea of uh if you have like a coffee cup how you can decompose it in, in geometric shapes you have a right. cylinder, right? Yeah. And you, you subtract a cylinder to get mm-hmm. the, the right. cup inside of the cup. Right. And then you get a, a cube or a infinite plane in a torus and you cut the torus. You, you exclude mm. everything on the, inside the plane. So you now have a, the handle mm. and you do a, a union of the, the other shape of this. So now oh, you have I see. So that's okay. Yeah. I was wondering how you got it to be like kind of look so smooth, like the, you know, the half torus going into that cylinder. Ah, uh, yeah. And so that's what you did. I see. Yeah. So you just tune the parameters carefully to ensure you, you things look nice. Yeah. But now I can probably do better because I can do the deformations to be smooth. So oh. it would be. I should probably update that GIF actually. That'd be now really. That That'd be really, really neat because I noticed that um, with the coffee mug, it looks like essentially uh, the first thing that was like to me, I was like, I was wondering about is that it looks like it kind of fills up from the bottom first. Yeah. Right. And to me, like, is is that continuing? Because it seems like there's like an edge, right? Like, like at the corners, I guess not the corner, but, you know, where you have like a, a coffee cup, you have one stack here. Like, yeah. like like the very bottom, and then you have the layer. Or was it like a one-dimensional, or I'm sorry, two-dimensional, like, bottom of the cup? Is that, like, what you had? Wait, so you have a cylinder, right? Oh, uh, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I'm still visual. I can't do it. You, know, like, no, it's okay. so you, have a, you mean that yeah. the bottom of the cup is moving upwards? Y- yeah. So what's the problem? 
because every transformation here is well defined. Well, I uh, guess like uh, my question. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So if you just take, um, it's just like you're you're moving the, the bottom of the cup upwards. Mm, mm. You know, in every step, the surface is continuous. You're not introducing kinks that are destroying. So it's an it's a valid homotopy. Huh. Okay. So yeah, because I I, I somehow evaded having to take a topology class but like i read a textbook on it afterwards <laughs> but um like i guess like my question is like because it looks like right when you're looking down a coffee mug is that like yeah. not a physical coffee mug but a mathematical coffee mug it looks like <laughs> you know that's like a like a jagged yeah, corner. it's a well-defined mathematical object you know <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah you showed that i mean you had to come up with a well-defined one to yeah, make the animation okay, so... <laughs> it looks like it's a you know a corner right i mean like like where the at, yeah, at the, yeah, bottom the bottom of the mug like exactly Ex yeah but you're saying that's not like that's not quite right it's not a corner and it doesn't require no, any it, discontinuities it, to yeah it's a corner but you got to understand that the corner in topology is not a problem mm. for example the, the cube is um, is equivalent to a sphere and the cube oh, has corners yeah. everywhere yeah wow right yeah, so yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is not a problem. The problem is when you have a surface doing kinks. So if you if you do a surface crossing itself, in that oh, weird okay, 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 you okay, okay. I see, I see, I see. Wow. Right. Okay. I just got learned. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um. So what we're gonna do real quick is we're gonna take a quick five minute break and let your questions accumulate. Um. Yep. And we'll be right back.
Okay, and we are back after that quick commercial break. I hope you enjoyed the soft, easy tunes of MF Doom. He's wonderful. And I just want to encourage everybody um, that if they have enjoyed this episode of Physics After Hours with the one and only Lucas VB, to first give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, what's your at now? Did you change it? or It's just Lucas. No, it's Lucas VB. Okay, yeah, it's just Lucas VB. Um, and also, um, give this a thumbs up if you enjoyed it, um, and maybe subscribe if you're so kind. Okay, so first question by David Barardo, who was on here uh, last night, uh, saying he's asking if you've ever played around with processing. Uh, that's a coding language. Yeah, uh, I have tried processing. It's actually great, and when people ask me, oh, I want to do animations as well, what kind of stuff do you recommend? I say <laughs> processing, use processing. You can use processing to do this kind of stuff easily, but mm. um, I don't like processing because the way it's intended to work, it's a little mm. bit difficult to program some stuff I don't want to do. Yeah, no, I but agree. It, but have you tried processing as well? Uh, I I mean, by tried, I kind of got a feel for the, like, the layout of it and was just yeah. like, I mean, I feel like everything I can do in processing... I could do in Python or, you know, Mathematica or something. And it didn't yeah, seem exactly. like it was worth it. I mean, now uh, a shader, that's a totally different story. Like I've always wanted to do that. Have you played around with shaders at all? Yeah, I've been rewriting. Uh, I, I'm making a new uh, engine in shaders right now. Pythagoras. Yeah. I love <laughs> I that, man. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I'm going to have to stick with that. It's too perfect for <laughs> Python library. It's great. <laughs> to I write draw stuff. <laughs> I, I say screw it. Let's just go with Pythagoras. Wow. Anyway, like, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. No, I was just on. saying like maybe like to make it more Googleable, just capitalize something. I don't know. It's like. <laughs> yeah. Fair Let's enough. Uh, so on processing, yeah, I tried it, but I mean, you can do anything you want, but some kind of some stuff that I want to do felt like it was going to be too complicated. Mm, mm. Uh, but there are some people who do some really advanced visualizations on processing. Uh, for instance, there's mm. a great artist called, uh, I forgot his, he goes by Bees and Bombs. Oh, Bees and Bombs. He does all that yeah. in processing. Yeah, he does all, all of that in processing. Oh, I didn't and know that. He, his stuff is amazing. You guys should check it out if you like yeah. geometric art. Yeah, his stuff is uh, really smooth, yeah. Bees as in the insect and bombs as in no mistake he has a great tumblr a great twitter his art also gets shared everywhere he's amazing yeah go check it out stuff and he used processing but yeah you can use processing to do this kind of animation it's just that uh in particular i have a different workflow that didn't really fit Mm, processing mm, at all right on that's a good word workflow i like that um uh so we have a question from alex um asking uh what's an example of a kink versus a corner um, I haven't really studied topology. Yeah, I haven't studied topology that that you know precisely as well. I have a, some some informal knowledge mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from my understanding, a kink or a crease when you do a topological transformation, right? Like an onomatopy, which is this continuous transformation. Mm-hmm. A kink or a, a, is something like if you take a point, if the uh, if doing a, a Part of the transformation, that point, it, it, let's say it's a, it's a, it's a curve in two dimensions, right? So it's a one-dimensional shape you're trying to do, just for simplicity. Mm-hmm. So you have a point here. If at some point during this process, this transformation, the the, the connect the, the 
part of the curve that's connected to the left and the right of the mm. point switch places mm. like discontinuously, then you have a crease. Ah, so the example would be something like this. And I even drew a, a layer diagram because, of course, I'm going to have to draw that. Of course, that of course. So can you guys see this? This is a, what a crease looks like typically. You have a, uh, this point on the bottom here, uh -huh. right? And you start to reduce the loop until mm. you get a, a point like this. Yeah, yeah. So the next step would change this, the position of the left and right sides mm. discontinuously, and that's not allowed. I On the see. corner, you never have that. You can do this with a corner and never change directly. Ah, never change okay, okay. That's my intuition. That is I a wonderful use. explanation. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, so we've got another one um, here. Oh, Brittany Rivero. Um, <laughs> she asks, uh, it sounds like your visual aids have helped people develop the appreciation for physics. Uh, how can I encourage people in my life who aren't so into physics to ease their way into it maybe? Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, a that's great a great question. question. Yeah. Um, wow. I think people who really enjoy physics, they just, in math as well, I just think they, they understand that it's a creative process mm. and they enjoy the process. Mm. Like Dylan has talked about this before in his podcast and on Twitter a lot, if you guys keep track of it. Uh, but basically what got, can you explain a little bit just to recap? I don't want to put words in your mouth oh. about how you got excited by physics in the first time. Oh man. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, how I got excited about the first time. Um, I would say, uh, I guess, maybe this is what you're referring to kind of in the in the context of this question saying um like expressing the creativity of it all like is it's like you know learning to play the piano right at first you know anybody who's not good at the piano is gonna fucking hate it and you don't be, because you don't ever get to be creative you don't ever get to do anything all you're trying to do is learn how to play chopsticks and or whatever but 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 there's a no matter what your form of artistic expression is you have a like you have a base set of rules it's not easy if it were super easy it wouldn't be appreciated and you know all good art is in some sense appreciated and so i would just say that like mathematics or coding or whatever um it's art that just requires a different kind of base skill and that skill is coding or math or whatever but once you become fluid enough to be able to just kind of be like, oh i know how to deform this into that you know then it becomes something that you can become expressive with um and yeah i mean i guess that's kind of my take on that exactly but he is saying exactly the kind of stuff and i recommend you ask physicists and they're going to give you similar explanations <laughs> but this is my take on it Math and physics is a creative process. The people who enjoy math and physics, they see the creative process of problem mm. solving as desirable, mm. as something that's cool. Uh, but there's a natural pleasure that everybody gets of figuring things out. Yeah, no, like I think you're Byron right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, we, people who, are, who say they hate math and physics enjoy doing puzzles, you know, of all mm. sorts, word puzzles, uh, you know, puzzle pieces and stuff like that. Uh, people like to, to see the resolution of of dramas and movies they they want to mm. figure out the, the twist on on a movie you know yeah, a horror yeah, movie yeah so people like to figure things out they they want to understand they mm. want to follow things through and they want to to be creative as well they want to have an active part on what they're doing mm. and trying to solve those or 
create something. And all of those things exist in math and physics, but nobody teaches people that they can do that. To, mm. to them, physics and math is playing chopsticks forever. <laughs> it's Man, just, I love that. Wow. Uh, Paul Lockhart has a great uh, math uh, essay about, mm -hmm. it's called A Mathematician's Lament. I'm not mm. sure if you I think I've, that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, that sounds really, really familiar. Yeah, um, so yeah. I recommend you guys check it. Uh, I'm going to write it on the chat. Uh, That's amazing. So the, in, this, in this essay, he talks about, he gives a great analogy. Imagine if, if music was taught as if, uh, uh, as if math and physics are, mm. right? So in this fictional world, this alternate reality, People would, would never hear music or would never touch a musical instrument until mm. they're in college. Mm. They would they would have to learn sheet music and, ah. and write obscure characters on paper. Yeah. You know, they would have memorized scales. Oh, and, man, oh I this love is that. a chord. Wow. Right? And in this kind of scenario, if you think about it, no, people would treat music exactly what they mm. how they treat math and physics. Mm. They would say, Oh, you're a musician. I used to hate uh, music in school. <laughs> people would say that. It's because you never heard kind of it. <laughs> yeah. So only people who sometimes who found some pleasure and logic to the process of learning mm. music that way would go to college and become actual musicians and touch on a musical instrument and be creative with it, which mm. is like mathematicians proving theorems and doing physical experiments. It's the same idea, basically. You're being creative with that framework of mm -hmm. constructing and figuring things out that you learn. Mm. So I think it's the same idea. So if you want to introduce people to physics and math in a way that's, you know, make them excited, just find out why they don't get the the ideas of ah, physics. I see, yeah. Like try to find out why they, they don't see themselves as agents to understand the world around mm. them using math and physics. Because if you do that, people are going to get excited because it's going to make sense to them. I see. So okay. like, like you're saying kind of just attack that, like somehow like the first step in, in, in figuring out that common emotion, right. That we're all sharing when, you know, Oh, I was the first to predict, you know, that X would kill Y in this drama or whatever, you know, I mean, it, because if you call that out, you know, everybody feels a sense of pride and like, Oh yeah, I just noticed this and that I could pick up on, you know, this director and how he uses these foreshadowing, whatever. And exactly. Like, and like, it's, it, it's the exact same thing, like in a lot of ways. And you're just it saying, is. try to like in whatever way, figure out the difference. You know, like what is the yeah. difference between the way they're seeing that and this? And yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I that, agree. That's my trick. And for instance, one of the reasons why I got into physics and math from I always loved that when I was a kid it was, was because of my parents. Because there's a way that I feel my parents taught me and my my siblings to mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. the world that I think really helped. And I'm not sure if this is universal, but for me, I, I see it as a clear reason why I enjoyed this. Mm. It's because my parents never never explain anything to the world saying, I don't know, shut up, you know, mm. or that's because it is. My mm. parents always say, oh, I don't know, let's look it oh, up on wow. encyclopedia. I love that. Let's try to figure it out, you know. I love that. I don't know, but but that can be understood using botanics. You know, the botanics is the scientists or physics explain why the sky is blue. You know, they didn't mm. have to 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 say they, they didn't know and there was no knowledge. They just said to, to us always that, we don't know, but the knowledge is there, and we can figure it out. Oh wow! You can figure it out if you, 
and that changed uh, deeply, you know, how I perceive the world. That's beautiful. Think, wow. Yeah. And I think that's something people lose when, you know, they're taught in school to not ask questions, mm. even indirectly, because if you ask a question in class, you're going to delay the class and they have mm. a schedule to follow. Mm -hmm. So mm. in practice, we end up, you know, destroying that, that curiosity everybody has. Mm. Because who hasn't asked as a kid why the sky is blue? That's right. a physics question. It is, yeah. The, the, you know, yeah. <laughs> so the answer for that is physics. So they're asking about physics. Yeah, yeah. You know, so why does the moon orbit around the earth? Why did the earth rotate? Why there are days? Those are all physics questions. Right, why right. the sun shines? Well, why does it look so like people, we're at the center of the universe? You know, like. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, perfectly reasonable physics question, right. but people don't see it as physics. Right. And I think that like a lot of the thing, you know, sometimes things can get caught up in pride. Is that like, oh, my kids ask me something. I don't want to look like I'm not knowledgeable. You know, I'm not parent, parent cool with them. Like there is this thing common. We yeah. don't know. That never made sense to me. But I mean, I have seen time and time again, parents kind of do it, you know, and yeah, no. it's very, very odd. Um, it's odd. That's a bonding experience waiting to happen. Right. And I don't visit. I don't understand. Like, let's grow together. Oh, you know? yeah. No, I love that, man. You're awesome. You're yeah. so great. Okay, man. Um, so wow. er Eric Aspling uh, asks, uh, computational uh, theoretical physics or pencil and paper? So I guess what he's saying is like... What? I, I, oh, think, I think uh, what he's saying is like, yeah. like If I work out stuff on paper or... Yeah. It's a little bit of both, but I like to, to do computational stuff. I think... I'm much more exploratory guy, mm -hmm. you know. And on pen, paper, you cannot explore. You have to like follow your nose and see yeah. if you're gonna hit a wall. Right. But I get more enjoyment out of coding and visualizing things and trying to see if I get some intuition. Because there's this thing that I do with my animations, and I talked about before. Uh, I think it's much easier to to introduce formality to intuition than the reverse. Mm. You know. It's much mm -hmm. easier to, to add. Uh, mm. Sorry, it's much easier to introduce uh, uh, formality well, I... intuition than intuition to formality. Right, right? exactly. So it's better wow. for me to get people to first get intuition, even if it's wrong sometimes about something, than it is to get you formally mm. to understand something to later get an intuition. Mm. And and you, of course, it's not one or the other. Right, you right. Develop one, then the other, and then. So basically, you get an intuition. It has it's full of holes. Right. You do develop the formality to fix the holes. Mm. But now you have a you have now an intuitive model of the formality. Yeah. And now you can use it to explore other things, and you can create intuition for it, them. And it's this back and forth. But to me, at least, and that's my experience with others when I tutor mm -hmm. them and with animations, it's easier to start from the intuition. Mm. You know. Yeah. Because no. then you can. Develop. So this computational thing is the same to me because I prefer to, to explore and generate a vague intuition of the landscape right, of you what get to I'm play. trying. You, know? you get to play, just like yeah. a you know, like a five year old. You get to play with yeah. your toys. Yeah. Instead of instead of learning how to you know, music theory to play the piano, you just bang in the keys. To me that <laughs> and I'm more comfortable banging the keys than learning music right, theory. Right, right, of course, of course. Yeah. So that's for me that that's the approach. Right. I mean like I, I, I think that like we could both agree here that there was a a very very large amount of uh, amount of pencil and paper work that went that led us up to be able to be you know up to this point yeah, exactly um, and it doesn't replace it exactly you you know you it can't doesn't. replace it um and sometimes i just do like like if 
when I'm exploring and I'm like, I swear this, like, sh you know, this should go in this direction and that should, you know, respond like that. Um, and it doesn't work. Sometimes I just say like, fuck it. And just say, you know, I'm going to make sure I haven't lost it and just like go pencil and paper. And then I'm exactly. like, oh, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It happens all the time. But, but that's the thing. If it wasn't for the exploration, you wouldn't have understood that as good as you did. Yeah, that's right. You wouldn't yeah. have looked that cl closely. Yeah. So that's a good thing. It's like a, I like to think as if it's a survey of a land, a landscape, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just want to see what are the interesting spots and you, then you see, oh, I don't know what the hell is in that hole. So you go to that <laughs> hole. So it's kind of like that. Uh, instead of just walking around the landscape, I just get a general survey of it first. That's my approach. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, I, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, everybody works in their own ways, but I think that's really, really, uh, I mean, I, I really sympathize with that. Um, uh so where does the B come from in your Twitter handle? Yeah, my name is Lucas Vieira Barbosa, but I don't like the Barbosa side of my family. Oh, uh, I see, I see, I see. So I don't like the, the B side. B. So I go, I go personally by Lucas Vieira. Uh, I even, I even my articles are, uh, I'm gonna be cited like, like Lucas B Vieira because I moved the B to oh. get a show <laughs> You but, know what you uh, should do? Is you should just Barbosa. you should just like change your Twitter handle, just like uncapitalize the B. Like, oh just, shit! <laughs> <laughs> like just like as a slight insult, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I love <laughs> but it. But I oh, yeah. I wanted to include uh, my mother's name in in my name so I could get like Lucas B V sorry Lucas B V B, but. It, now the handles are all yeah. there. So oh, no. Yeah, somebody yes. tried to copy you and like take your things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I see. So Nathan here is commenting, saying that... That's um, very kinky. What's Brittany... kinky? Oh, I, I think he was talking about the kinks and the curves. and. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got people just really feeling themselves in the chat. Like there's hearts everywhere. Um, this is quite a beautiful thing. Um, and I'm just taking a look here. Uh, it says, we, we stand Lucas VB says Andrew C. Uh, Andrew Gaston says, uh, Hey brother. Uh, okay. And then says, so what we're going to do here, this will probably be the last question before we head out. It's almost, we're almost at an hour now. So, uh, Zan, Zandrik, I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name. Um, it says Simpy or Mathematica or any <laughs> other symbolic math program. Simpy, um, like nothing compares nothing, to Mathematica yeah. in Mathematica, terms of symbolic um, manipulation. Mathematica is, is one of the best pieces of software ever. Yeah. I mean, the language kind of sucks, etc. but you got to admit, it's like a, one of the greatest achievements in computer science. Oh, frankly. I think so. 100%. I mean, like, it is... In terms of symbolic manipulation, like and functional program, you just can't beat it. Yeah, uh, I, it's just nothing close. Um, I try to buy, and it, it's just it's it it's, it's not even close. I mean, especially since you know, like I feel like maybe we are similar thinkers that like I'm kind of a symbolic thinker, and so I like to be able to like write my formulas in ways that resemble mathematics. Um, and in Simpy, you can't do that. Like it's you know, it's got to be like this this awkward you know Python notation. 
Yeah, one of the things SymPy is, is the problem with SymPy is exactly that it doesn't mesh well with mathematical notation. Mm -hmm. So you have to mm -hmm. go back to the ASCII, you know, plain text kind of way of expressing things. Right. Uh, Mathematica, you can use, uh, you know, you can simplify things by using, uh, you can write the expressions as they are, which is helpful. And with keyboard shortcut, you can do it super fast. So uh, mm. that, that helps a lot. Well, Mathematica, and... you can even do it like quicker. Like if you just remap your caps lock key to, you know, the Greek keyboard and all of a sudden you've got this beautiful thing and like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we all are mathematic elitists in that sense. Like if you've yeah. got to solve a nasty, you know, system of like five equations, whatever, and you just got to type it in and boom, it's done. Like that is amazing. And it could all be symbolic. Uh, MathLab is more for, uh, sorry, Alex uh -huh. is asking something. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so uh, Alex said, I heard good things about MATLAB. How does Mathematica compare? I don't think they're comparable. I've used both on my research. MATLAB is better on numerical computations, mm -hmm, basically. Mm -hmm. Large-scale numerical computations is better on MATLAB. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but the language of MATLAB is, like, horrendous. It's worse than PHP, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, Matlab has a good usage. <laughs> it has a good um, set of tools for doing numerical simulations of all kinds of stuff, like finite element analysis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that kind of stuff is, is pretty good for you know mechanical systems. So yeah, they they have different purposes. I use them. Yeah, I mean, but I, in general, Mathematica is like uh, a really pretty good software. I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's like one of the yeah. the most expensive software license I got in my life was Mathematica. I yeah, made sure and, to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, because I, 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 like, I imagined if I had to pay for it, like, like if I graduate university, like I would totally bite that bullet. I'd be like, I can't not have this. Like, yeah, exactly. It's too good. Um, yeah, uh, and also the learning curve isn't that bad, right? I mean, it's it's really not that oh. steep. I mean, once you find out how to search for the crazy stuff you find on math stack, mathematica stack exchange, and people use the the the, the map notation. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah. When you figure that out, for some reason you have to find out very difficult, very difficult ways yeah. because the documentary is horrible for them. But when yeah. you find out out, you can do stuff really fast. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. Um, okay, so Andrew C says he disagrees with the MATLAB language. Um, uh, no, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. So, civil scientists saying, uh, but Mathematica is still decent at numerical stuff. That's true. Uh, I mean, you know, you, yeah, just, it it, you just don't want to overload it with, you know, yeah. Yeah, but for large-scale matrix computations, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and even some curve fitting, I found Mathematica is like twice or three times lower than, than MATLAB. So. Right. Because I did that stuff on my research, and I tried mm -hmm. to do Mathematica, everything in Mathematica, and it wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's the thing is, like, you, like in Mathematica, you can still compile functions, right? I, I mean, and like just yeah, use yeah. them later, and so exactly, and even it, even with fine. the compilation, this is with the compilation. Oh, actually. really? Interesting, huh? Interesting. And um, I and I and I'm one of those purists. I I do everything using, uh, you know, vectorized functions, so I I can create a huge array and just run everything on an array to optimize things and it, it didn't work. So huh. Interesting. MATLAB won in that fight. Yeah, sure, um, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and if you're trying to scale it up, you know, maybe, you know, you would go to MATLAB, 
you know, for that. Yeah. But like, uh, I guess, like I'm saying, I like I neither of us have claimed that that is what Mathematica is great for. Mathematica is great for just figuring shit out. Like when you're yeah. just trying to figure exactly. something out, get a good visualization, um, like and not have to think too much. Uh, like the manipulate function in Mathematica is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I use it all the time. Yeah. So it's amazing. So, uh, so let's see. We got except another. when it, there's an error, and then it just keeps oh, producing yeah. errors forever. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah, the worst but, part of Mathematica. Yeah, no, it's, no, but we could sweep that under the rug. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fair enough. Okay, so we. Um, I don't know if this is a question. It's a bit long. Says. Talk more about uh thanks i've used mathematica a little but uh by my roommate but my roommate has insisted matlab is better and i've been watching oh wondering sorry if i should learn matlab i think for now i'll just stick with honing my mathematica skills yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with uh learning another language i mean no matter how shitty a language is it like lends insight into you know how stuff works yeah. so i i have a suggestion here which i give to everybody who's asking about what language should i learn or something like mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. never begin to do anything until you have a pet project where you apply mm -hmm. the thing mm -hmm. you know you need to have a, a project to oh i'm going to use Mathematica or matlab to do that project right right don't do that you're not going to learn things properly you need to to get a motivation for a problem to solve and then, then you're gonna know why that if that tool works for that kind of problem or not. If you're just learning in general, you're not gonna learn anything because you're not gonna be using it. Yeah, so no, I, I I think that's really really great advice, and that's why like I'm a big fan of you know the Project Euler stuff. If like if nothing else, you know, like if you're you know if you're promising you're gonna do like oh I'm gonna get through you know problem fifty of Project Euler, you know from from trying to learn Python. Yeah. You know, like I mean I think that's at least that's something. Um, but it's best to have a passion project, you know, be like, I really want that. And then like, you'll learn it, you know, with all your heart and soul. Um, so we have another question that says at the risk of reinventing the wheel, do you prefer having stuff open up and tinkering it with yourself or using black box stuff like Mathematica to get a feel of what's happening? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call necessarily, you know, it a Mathematica, a black box. Um, like I said, I mean, you can go as deep as you want into how it works. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe, I mean, what do you want me to use assembly? Like, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna do numerical integration by hand. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but some I people can, do. Uh, like. <laughs> yeah, I I I have a thing. It's a little bit of a of a hobby of mine to try to write basic algorithms from scratch. You know, mm -hmm. I've done that kind of stuff. Uh, so whenever I feel like it, I do go deep into the, the algorithms to figure out how right. things work. I don't like depending on other people. And that's also why I, I decided to do my own li drawing library, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to like to depend on some, some, sometimes on some people. So I just right. go deep down right. and do stuff myself. I have no, re no problem with the idea of reinventing the wheel, frankly, because sometimes the wheel is poorly designed. <laughs> so sometimes you have to do the maybe the wheel that that wow. everybody's using is a square, and because the roads are all catenaries, <laughs> and, and it's like they roll smoothly, but then you decide to 
to Go have a, a flat shape and you need a <laughs> circle. So reinventing the wheel is necessary sometimes. Think about it as improving the wheel. <laughs> We've got all these tire companies making. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's good stuff. I know. Zendrick uh, uh, asked about Pythagoras. Oh, did he? Uh, I didn't see that. Sorry. Yeah. What did what he uh, say? Uh, he just wanted to see, talk about Pythagoras. Maybe he's not aware, but Pythagoras is, is like, I, I want to draw create a, a new graphics library that renders math and stuff for animations, but that uses shaders. So mm. it, it renders on hardware. So mm. I, I, I'm writing in Python. And since all programs in Python packages have that thing of pi something. Yeah, 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 of course. I was thinking, why not call it Pythagoras? That is so you know? clever. Like, you can't it, not, so you good. know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Pythagoras has a whole thing about geometry, so it works yeah. beautifully, but yeah. it's impossible to search. How are you going to search Python Pythagoras? <sighs> pi yeah. Pythagoras? I don't know. Pi, yeah, I mean, that... We'll think of something. We'll come. This is the internet. We'll figure something out. Yeah, this out. is a branding problem. Yeah. <laughs> the internet's for this stuff. Uh, import Pythagoras from triangles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Pythagoras import the triangles. That's yeah, a pretty good one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, so Silva Scientist talking about uh, Mathematica's documentation says a bit about this quote-unquote black box thing. Uh, basically, you almost never need to know uh, what algorithm dsolve is using under the hood, but you can dig very deep. Yeah, that's exactly what we were saying, is that like, you know, you can yeah. go as deep as you want and you can set these methods like if, like if you want. Um, and you can even check what method it's using automatically. It's, it's, it's yeah. straightforward. Um, and also the Mathematica's documentation, I would say, is awesome, personally, but... Um, yeah, I, I, no, I mean, <laughs> you, it, it depends if you want to get into like the objects and like how all those things are defined, how they're related, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I find in it, general, the, yeah. the, the functions and stuff, it's good, but when you go in deep into customization of behavior, yeah, the documentation becomes lacking, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, that is true, but I mean, I guess if I really want to customize that much, I probably wouldn't be using Mathematica, but you know. But, you know, and, and maybe that's not what they're striving. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Stephen Trattel says, Hi, Lucas. Just wanted to drop by quick and say hi, smiley face. Um, your depictions of uh, Morse theory were some of the first things that helped me get into topology. Uh, I'm a topologist now. Oh, damn. You are another inspiration. <laughs> you see, it. this kind of stuff man, <laughs> brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> I love it. Um. So Zanderik asking how long till this uh, Pythagoras comes out? I, I don't know. Yeah, we I don't know. We don't. We don't put numbers time. on these things here. You know. Uh, I mean, I, I I want to develop a new library because I had just for <laughs> for contest. Uh, the, most of the gifs I have on Wikipedia, I made a library for them. Some of the three D stuff with shadows and, and highlights were done in Poverty, but everything else was with my own library. And I wrote it on PHP of all things. PHP. Because I, yeah. Oh wow. So PHP is a web programming <laughs> language. I was a web programmer and working. In, I was working. Oh, in so that's what you're most familiar with, I guess. Then. Okay. Yeah, uh, because like a, the story is, after I I, I finished high school, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I passed for electrical engineering to, but I didn't want to become an electrical engineer. So or public, so you just have to pass an entrance exam. Mm -hmm. 
So I passed the entrance exam for electrical engineering in my hometown, but because they didn't have physics or math, a good course, right? So I just mm-hmm. decided to be pragmatic and go for electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. But on the the line of the date to sign up for 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 the university for the registration, I decided to drop out of the line, and because I wanted to be a physicist. Right. So I spoke with my parents, and I said I want a computer for myself, not to share, so I could learn. Uh, web programming, and I'm going to save money to move to a different city to study physics. So I ended up working as a web developer in digital advertising, in a digital advertising agency, yeah. uh, and doing stuff like that for eight and a half years, saving money, mm-hmm. until I moved to another city to study physics. Right. So in that process, during, when I was working on, on this kind of stuff, web development, I got some project where I needed to do generate graphics. So I decided, since I was programming sites on web, on PHP, I decided to write the graphics in PHP, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. And I developed a little graphics library, and that's where this whole thing started. I was I was just adding features <laughs> to it, and it became this thing that I depended on. I'm but sure eventually, that'll help out uh, some web dev so much one day. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not sure. That's. I mean, I, okay. It I sounds more reasonable it. now that you say it like that. It's like. <laughs> Like n- nobody needs to do that stuff on PHP, you know. That was just a, a, a weird case scenario. Sure, sure. I, sure. I, I ported most of the features of it to Python on Cairo, but uh, I use it sometime. But now I want to do a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been on the works for a while, I and mean, my computer breaks and I can't do it properly. Uh, but anyway, uh, I I want to do a YouTube channel. Right, right, right. With explanations and visuals, well, so the idea awesome. is to do something like Tree Blue One Brown does, mm. but halfway between that and and you know a formal lecture you have on videos where people oh, draw stuff on, on the screen I like see. Can Academy. I want to do something intermediate, but for physics. Right, I feel like that would be so difficult though to keyframe like your animations in that way. But I guess you don't have to. You could just like you know make like because I, know, I came up with a system to help. Oh, okay, with that stuff. okay, fair enough. So I, I want to develop a, a new library that renders stuff on sh- with, with shaders in the hardware mm-hmm. so I can generate the, those frames faster I and see, play I around see. with your time because it's going to be more cumbersome to generate full HD frames for yeah. the video, right? Man, that'll be an insanely impressive. I cannot wait to see that. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to get something out this year. I, I said that. I put the... Put that, <laughs> he uh, said it. Gonna, he said it. You heard it here first. Physics after hours. <laughs> I'm gonna by the end of the year I'm gonna have one video on my my YouTube channel. It's already it already exists. This is gonna be called the animated guide to the universe. Okay, so um so that's the name. So if they search it they can give you a subscribe yeah, already. If, if you're gonna say the, the the logo is like a, a play button galaxy. Oh I love I'm it. Pretty okay proud of it. So it's, it's animated guide to the universe? Yeah, the animated guide to the universe. Okay, so that's the, what it's called. Go ahead, search it. Uh, subscribe. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're pre-buying uh, CDs and video games, you've got to pre-subscribe here because it sounds like <laughs> there's gonna be some big stuff, and you're gonna hear it first. You're gonna see it first. You're gonna love it, man. I can't yeah, wait to all... see that. All right. Yeah, gonna... That's awesome. Okay, so we got uh, one more from Deep Prasad. Um, says Lucas. Oh, um, yeah, Deep is here. Uh, he says, uh, got any recommendations for open source meshing? Ideally, something that can efficiently approximate the optimal two slash three dimensional triangulation. Keep up the epic work, by the way. Yeah, uh, thanks, Deep. 
I'm not sure what you mean by meshing. Like you have a shape yeah. and you want to get a mesh of it. Yeah, like, I, th- or... I think he's saying like maybe like uh like if you have yeah exactly like if you have like this glass right and like if you want to just you know you know and like or yeah something. but what he means by meshing yeah I don't uh, know because for example in Blender you can define a, a surface mathematically right ma- mathematically with the equations like a parametric surface right and then and just it increase the mesh a mesh for you right, so Blender right. can do anything like in that sense yeah in some in two and three dimensions so that would be a, a good software for that you know that's a and blender has and blender has the some of the top algorithms for for triangulation that i know of so oh, that's yeah. it oh i didn't know they use triangulation to be honest i'm just still yeah so okay fair enough no no triangulation is just the technique of you know breaking a shape into triangles right right so right, there's, right there's algorithms for doing that efficiently to minimize the error for the approximation of the surface and blender does that pretty well is that their default? Like, like when I like click on UV sphere and I say, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, that's what it's doing. And then is that the subsurface sampling or whatever it's called, like subsurface divisions, like modifier or whatever sub? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the, it's just that's smaller what... triangles. Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, this for real. Um, is going to be our last question. Uh, so this question for for the both of you. Uh, what's the <laughs> what's the learning curve like for Manum and Blender? I would say the learning curve for Blender is way higher than for Manum. Yeah. Uh, Blender is very, very difficult. Blender is like, <laughs> you know, it's like climbing here. It is but so it, hard, yeah. After you learn it, and I don't Blender that much, I only do basic stuff on Blender. Right. But after you learn it, and I've seen people doing like this, you can do anything super fast because mm. there's some keyboard shortcuts you can right, learn. Right, 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 right. But yeah, Blender is difficult. It's no intuitive, but after you learn it, it's worth it, I think. And I'm gonna learn Blender eventually. I think it's a good software to learn. Um, yeah, I, think I just so need too. a pet project for 3D. I haven't had one. Uh, as for Manon, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I think Manon is pretty easy to to get. Yeah, by. I think I, I think Manon is really can, straightforward. Yeah, you can do basic animations in like a few hours. Yeah, frankly, it's really well designed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, credit to Grant Sanderson. I mean, he wrote that library like beautifully. It's so easy to, I mean, you can almost like, you can almost guess what the right command is. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna end on that note. So thanks again to Lucas VB. If you liked it, give him a follow. Give us a subscribe. Uh, this has been absolutely awesome having you on. Um, we're definitely going to have to do this again. Um, and good luck to you in your PhD and, and to developing your Pythagoras library. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be looking forward to it and seeing it all. So, yeah, yeah uh, just remember, stay happy for at least an hour and to stay inertial. <laughs>